For 10 years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Saturday morning, 10 o'clock. This is our On the House segment. We dive deep into one particular subject topic on your home, castle, or cabin. Allows us to spend the entire hour addressing some portion of your home. Throughout the course of the year, there should be 52 new parts of your home you know about if you tune into all 52 broadcasts. If you can't make all 52, we do have the podcast available 24-7 at rosieonthehouse.com. And when you say we're digging into a particular topic, we really are. We're digging, digging we're in drilling. today. <laughs> However we need to. We've we're got... digging in and we're drilling down. <laughs> we have Bob Brown, founder of Arizona Foundation Solutions, in the studio with us, talking about foundation problems, which generally speaking, uh, not necessarily an install error, but more a soil Correct, error. yeah. Soil is a very complicated subject, lots of things going on. And what types of soil does Arizona have? So Arizona has uh, clays, sands, gravels, uh, silts, kind of a loamy kind of thing. Uh, The thing that makes Arizona unique is we're quite a bit drier, obviously. We all know we live in a desert, right? Uh, That's the kind of the defining characteristic about Arizona that differentiates us from like Texas or Minnesota or New York. And... Because of that lack of moisture, a lot of people build as if we never have any moisture. Right. And it's that inconsistency of moisture that creates the problems with heaving and settling. Right. Well, so we'll be dry for a long time, and then we'll have a lot of monsoon rains, and now we're really, really wet for a very short period of time, right? And it's that variation that affects clays. They swell when they get wet. They shrink when they dry out. And uh, so that variation causes a problem. And the fact that uh, we're drier than other places creates a little bit different, di- different dynamic than, uh, th- than with regular structures in wet climates. So if we've been dry here for millions of years and all of a sudden we start accumulating moisture underneath slabs, if you're in Houston, that doesn't happen. It's already wet to begin with. <laughs> Especially now. <laughs> right. Yeah, really wet there. <laughs> and, Bob, you operate statewide. Yes. Are there Are there... Pockets of Arizona that are just have a reputation for notoriously being bad places. Yeah, well, there are some places that are worse than others. Uh, and everything in foundation and, and soils is kind of relative. There's no absolutes, obviously. But uh, there are worse soils in the Gilbert area, in the Anthem areas. And that's defined by the NCRS map, which talks about the upper five feet. That does not necessarily mean lower so some parts, like on the west side of town, there was nothing identified on the NCRS map, but, but the developers came in and dug down 15, 20 feet, and now all of a sudden there's five feet right below the surface that was never identified on the NCRS map. N-C-R-S. National Conservation Resource okay. System. or And what does, that map tell, what does that map generally tell you, the soil type you're going to encounter? Yeah, we have a we have a map of it on our Facebook. I mean, on our uh, website page, 
And you, it goes in, it divides the area by colors. You know, green is good, yellow is kind of caution, and red is like watch out. And that again, that only maps the upper five feet. Okay. Something interesting that you were talking about is the farmlands and right. how long. You know, there's a system and a pr- process that builders follow when they're developing over a farmland. <clears throat> and it addresses the first couple feet. And right. something 20, 30 years later is where you see the problem starting to manifest. Right. Well, so first of all, farmers like areas that have a lot of clay because it helps them retain the water when they water their plants. So uh, generally, farm areas, a lot of them have a lot of clay for that reason. Uh, but, but, but what we found in kind of the Gilbert area is that those clays are down 15, 20 feet. They were wet for a very long time, a lot of farming. They, they, that now they're covered up, and 15, 20 years later, they're finally starting to dry out. And when they dry, they shrink a little bit, and so that causes some settlement problems. And it takes that long for it to dry out that far down. They do a very good job retaining underneath the surface. Right. Well, when you have a lot of soil on top of soil, there's really, I mean, there's really no good way for that water to get out quickly. So what happens when, uh, when it starts affecting our foundation? What do we see in our home? So you're going to see cracks in your interior drywall. You'll see some maybe in stucco, but stucco cracks for a lot of reasons, including thermal because it's exposed to the sun. Uh, But you'll see more reliable cracks in your drywall, particularly on your perimeter walls if it's footing movement, floor cracks, doors and windows that are out of square and they don't really function very good, Uh, maybe sloping floors, Uh, and, and, and other kinds of Things you'll see uh, drywall behaving in odd ways, uh, cupping and and, and, and and those kinds of things. But generally, drywall is what people see first. It's the easiest to see. Nail pops and cracks yeah. leading pops. off the corners of your yep. doors and windows and whatnot. Yep. yep. Now, if a homeowner, you know, I think a lot of homeowners would be really tempted when they see that. To just turn a blind eye towards it and just ignore it. Or, or, or cock and walk, right? <laughs> cock and walk. I love that. <laughs> yes, okay. Cock and walk. But um, talk about what the investigation is into assessing what the problem is. Yeah. So, so I mean, the industry for many, many years has been focused on the, the foundation repair industry grew out of the basement waterproofing industry. And that industry's uh, mode of operation is typically send a sales guy out to diagnose it and, and draw up a, a repair plan and a contract all in one visit. And that probably works pretty good for basement waterproofing. But when you get into structural issues and soil issues that get very complex, it really needs to be done by a licensed professional engineer. Uh, someone that doesn't have a conflict of interest, someone that uh, is trained in schools and how to... Uh, analyze things uh, using data and and not emotions, and someone who is going to uh, really make data-driven recommendations. And you actually have that engineer draw a topographic map of the floor level of the home. Correct. Yeah, we, we actually have three engineers, 
And yeah, they will supervise a team of assistants that go out and collect data and bring it back to them. And then they do the analysis and make the recommendations and, and approve the final repair plan. And I think it's interesting in getting to know you and your repair business, we've known each other for a lot of years, is your comment that we really have as many or more problems with heaving foundations. Right. But everybody just looks at the cracks in the foundation, the stem wall, the masonry, the drywall, and they just assume, I'm settling. Well, that's right. And that's one of the reasons why it's important to not go out and make a rash, quick judgment about what we think is going on without a lot of careful analysis, because you, you can easily get it mixed up. And even with careful analysis, you can get it wrong. It's real hard to tell the difference between heave and settlement. Super hard. I mean, if you're standing in a room looking at all the damage, it's almost impossible to do it just by standing there and looking at it. Hmm. And it's very easy to make that shrinking assumption that it's settling because right. yeah. uh, how often do you think about the soils are strong enough to lift the structure of my home? <laughs> right, right. People, people, uh, you know, they say, well, I know my house is settling because, look, it's sloping down towards the edge of the house. And it's like, well, that might be true, but it could be that the middle is going up and people scratch their heads saying, how could that, how could that be? You know, well, it is. We have some soils in the, on the west side of town with 28,000 PSI force heating up good and night. the average concrete is poured less than four thousand correct oh yeah, yeah yeah concrete doesn't stand a chance <laughs> wow i had no idea yeah but i, I guess I, I knew it was powerful just from the the images i've seen of projects you've corrected the projects i've walked on myself but i had no idea it was that yeah i mean i've had houses that have heaved uh nine, 10 inches. Uh, I've talked to friends in Colorado where they've seen heave of upwards of 24 inches of heave. Now, the good news with all of wow. this is we've got systems and solutions to solve it. It takes that proper assessment to determine the cause. Once we've got the cause determined, there's a number of different things we can do to repair it because it's, unless there's a fissure opens up, you're probably not going to have major structural damage to your home that would cause it to collapse. Right. That's that's a really good point, Romy. Uh, quite often, people get worried that their house is getting ready to fall down on them. And this is a common thing that uh, people, people might hear from uh, a foundation repair salesman. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't happen very often. But uh, almost never is that the case. Uh, most of the problems are what we call serviceability problems. And uh, it's almost never, I mean, I've seen houses that are out of level 12 inches and still not be in danger of structural collapse. It's pretty hard to do that. So there's ways that we can fix a heave. There's ways that we can fix a settle. There's a way that we can fix cracking foundations. And we're going to walk through all of those here at Rosie on the House as we go through our on the house hour here at our 10 o'clock hour. If you've got a foundation question or I'd like to talk to Bob Brown about your home foundation, concrete, stem wall, if something looks awkward out of whack, if you're hearing cracking, popping in the attic uh, from settling, we can help you walk through all those different things to look for. one 767 4348 one rosie for you You can send an email to info at rosieonthehouse.com. Or if you need to snap a picture, if you've got a 
cracking your concrete, cracking a corner of a door or window, and you want to send it to us, is this normal? Is this abnormal? Is this too big? Should I be worried? You can send that to info at rosyonthehouse.com. Don't get your windows replaced until you get an education and a quote from the experts at Pella Windows. So we've got Adam Homer in. Your fiberglass product, in my opinion, it's the right window for Arizona. Explain that a little bit. Pella's got a patented process. Uh, they pultrude fiberglass through this die. Uh, it's a matted material. So unlike a like the back of a shower enclosure, you know how it's random strands and yes, you know, it's yes. all pokey. Right, right. That's not what our windows look like. Uh, it looks like almost like a window screen mesh when it comes through and, and ready to uh, to put into the frame. And once it's all heat sealed and and made rigid it goes through a powder coating process so you can get a really nice looking window that's very strong very durable what matters is how you treat your doors and windows they are the weakest link take the time to think through the right door and window fellas two locations in scottsdale and tucson find them at rosyonthehouse.com under certified partners A lot going on today. If you're looking to work on your landscape outdoor hardscapes, you can get by Marvell Masonry in Mesa. The Rosie on the House promotion team is there today. They've got state park passes. They've got Diamondbacks tickets. They've got uh, Rosie on the House 30th anniversary etched toolbox you can enter to win. Marvell's got a number of promotions going on with different products and suppliers to help you get started on the backyard project. It'll take you one step closer to creating the backyard outdoor living space of your dreams. Do you dream about your outdoor living space? I got big dreams on mine. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've got a lot of area. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of area. We're here with Mr. Bob Brown, founder and president of Arizona Foundation Solution. And uh, if you've got a foundation issue you'd like to talk to somebody about, you can reach them at 602 702 5390, or you can call the number here this morning and phone in and let's talk it through. 1-888-767-4348. You know, Bob, we had the uh, uh, geologist uh, uh, from Tucson on not long ago. Well, I guess it's, see, I lost four months. It seems, <laughs> it seems not long ago. It was, it was yeah. only a few weeks ago, four months ago. <laughs> I lost, a, I've got a, a, a sequence there that's missing. But uh, he was talking uh, about the, the the fissures. And, right. And y'all have to deal with those on a fairly regular basis. And you, you, you must at least conversationally be tracking them because they're pretty dramatic. That one that opened up south of Casa Grande. Uh, yeah, big. North of Marana. I mean, that thing just showed up. Yeah. Well, you know, fissures are uh, results of large-scale ground subsidence, and the edge of those fissures is where uh, of that dip, basically the bowl, is where the fissures occur, and those can run two or three hundred feet deep, uh, and uh, they don't really represent uh, uh, much of a lateral, uh, a vertical shift difference right there at the spot. But if they get water in them, they can open up, and then they create all kinds of problems. I haven't figured out how to put a pier 300 feet yet. 
Yeah, that would be a good one. We'd have to get some oil drilling equipment out there somehow, some way. I do have a commercial project I'm on right now where some of the piers went 300 feet deep, although I'm not sure they went straight down 300 feet. Wow. <laughs> and, that, and, 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 and putting a pier in is only one of the solution options you've got. Correct. I mean, there's a number of options. Uh, sometimes you might want to uh, compact the soil, densify the soil with compaction grouting. Sometimes you need to dry out uh, heaving clays using a soil ventilation system that I developed. Um, and we're going to talk through all those details, but let's wrap up on the push piers, how those work. So we've identified we've got settling. Sure. Then we've got a number of calculations we need to make, how heavy the wall is, how wide the piers need to be. And talk through the install process and how that, because you, you can stabilize or you can lift. Correct. So push piers and helical piers work similarly. They both drive down to refusal. So And these are big steel piers. Right. Big old beefy things. That's right. And uh, so you will uh, push pier, uh, you push it down with a set of hydraulic jacks or a big hydraulic jack. And you, it pushes down through the soil very slowly, but but inexorably, uh, using the weight of the house as an opposite weight, until they reach refusal. And so the idea is to bypass all of the wet or, or, or weak soils and find something really hard to lock up in, either rock or super hard soil. And then you can use that uh, to stabilize the house and rest it on. You've now taken the weight off the footings and transferred it down to the tip of the pile. And you can also use that to to uh, raise the house as well on occasion. And when you raise it, that's something you do simultaneously. You, right. It, it's If you've got six on one side of the wall, you don't raise it six different times. You get all these push piers installed. Right. Right, that's exactly right. After you install them all, then you come back and hook them up in series and raise them together. And what are you looking to, to raise it to? Are you following uh, like a, a plane of the rest of the home? Are you uh, looking at a crack? Well, when that crack closes up, that'll be about good. <laughs> well, but believe it or not, that works pretty dang good. But uh, <laughs> we try to be a little bit more scientific than that. Uh, you know, we, we, we do floor-level surveys, and we, we, we have uh, color topo maps that show where it's high and where it's low, and we'll generally have a good idea where, what the goal is. But quite often, you know, we want to raise it to the place where the house functions the best because a lot of them are not even poured level to begin with. And so sometimes raising it, making it exactly level is not the best thing. You want to raise it to where it functions the best, and a lot of times that's where cracks close up and new ones don't open. Sometimes you can keep raising it, new ones start to open. It's like, okay, well, that's good enough. Let's go back a little bit. You can do that. How wow. much weight will a pier hold? Uh, uh, depending, uh, either 20 or 30,000 pounds is the typical, and that's, that's the design uh, weight, okay? So that design is typically less because of safety factors. Uh, you know, ultimate capacity is going to be somewhere around, you know, 30 to 50,000 pounds. And then there are some heavy-duty commercial ones that are a little bit more, but not typically not used on residential. And how far do you have to space them? Typically, it's governed by the ability of the stem wall to span. So typically eight feet, unless you're like up in Sholo with the block stem wall and snow loads. It might be six feet on center, typically. So that's what we do for a 
settling situation where we lift the home with a pier or a helical pier, a push pier or a helical pier. We'll talk about what to do about a heave problem. Don't get your windows replaced until you get an education and a quote from the experts at Pella Windows. Pella's two locations in Scottsdale and Tucson. Find them at rosieonthehouse.com under certified partners. Take the time to think through the right door and window. On this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, talking foundation repair with Bob Brown, founder of Arizona Foundation Solutions. We're going to get to what you've developed to solve a heaving problem. I remember there was a time you used to say, you know, haven't figured that one out yet, but you have. And before we get to that, there is the Sun Devil 100. Is that the correct name? Yes, Sun Devil 100. Uh, apparently, ASU is taken to uh, promoting the alumni with the fastest growing companies, and somehow we uh, made the list and ended up being ranked number seventeen, which was kind of a surprise to me. Well, congratulations! Absolutely, and, that's great, Bob. And that's something that was just uh, in the last week or two, right? That's correct. Yeah, they had a big old banquet there and everything. It was a lot of fun. Even got to like pose with Sparky and everything. <laughs> Very good. Well, congratulations. And uh, part of the reason for having a fast-growing company is the number of different solutions y'all have developed that really uh, brand new. Uh, no one else Correct. has these. They've got patents on them. And one of those is your moisture leveling system. Talk through when we've got moisture and it's heaved our home. That 28,000 PSI clay has created a heave into uh, the center of our floor. What do we, what do we combat that with? So for a lot of years, I basically just had to turn people away. You know, fix your drainage. You know, try to give them some good advice. Didn't really have anything good to offer them, and I felt really bad about it. And tried hard to try to come up with a solution. And a local geotech friend of mine by the name of David Dethridge and I developed this system about 15 years ago, and have been refining it ever since. And basically. It's a commonly used uh, uh, process in environmental engineering uh, called soil ventilation. And uh, basically, uh, it, it uh, dries out the clays that are swelling because of uh, moisture accumulation over time. It's a very simple process. We use vacuums to suck the, the, the moisture through the soil and expel it out. And how long does that take? Uh, it takes a while. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, it's more of a maintenance system uh, and a preventative system. So if you have a small heave, you might want to use this to keep it from becoming a big heave. Uh, on the systems that we've installed, over about 1,000 of them uh, in the last five years or so, uh, we uh, have seen about half of them stay after 12 months, about even, and the other half go down on the average of about a half inch. By going down, I mean the high spot flattens out. So this could take a little time. Yes. What What is the system aiming to, to accomplish as it relates to saturation level? When we pour concrete, and it's got to get to a certain level before we uh, put flooring on it. When we install stucco. Siding, we've got to wait for it to get down to below a certain pH level. What's the system looking to accomplish as it relates to moisture level in the So soil? 
we have sensors in the soil that basically turn the system off when the soil reaches about an 8% moisture content. That's pretty dry, pretty dry. Most soil content is somewhere in the 12 to 15% range. And does it kick back on if it ever goes yes. above that? Yes, it'll kick back on. It's like a smart system. And how, how do you know when it's on or off? You can. There's a little YouTube manometer or a little gauge, depending on... Uh, it varies, but uh, we're, we're using the gauges more often now, and it's mounted right to the to the riser pipe, and it's always showing how much air is being pulled through, uh, two cubic feet a minute or whatever. And the that air is exhausted out through the roof, correct? Out through the attic. Yep, out outside the home. Yeah, usually at the gable end. And once that's installed, and it just it comes on when the moisture gets above eight, it shuts off when it goes below eight. That goal is to keep that soil level. Right. We want to regulate it. We want to keep it maintained at a certain level. That's correct. Because um, changes in moisture is where all the problems come from. Yeah, that's if, a good point. If it was constant all the time, if it was all wet all the time or all dry all the time, there would be no issues. It's the changes that cause problems. So when we have a winter like we had two years ago right, with no rain, and then we have a winter like we had last year right? with a ton of rain. That's when y'all's phones are ringing off the hook. Yeah, and that could be why we're so dang busy right now. I'm not yeah. sure. That could be a good, interesting <laughs> point. Because, I mean, we went nine months, without, almost nine months, without right. a drop. It in, was really in dry. County. Yep. And then I don't know what we are year to date, uh, but most of the rain came a big portion of what we've got right now came that's causing the spring that we've got, one of the most beautiful springs right. we've ever had in the blooms. But a lot of that started back in October. Correct. So, yep. But, I mean, it's a direct 180-degree opposite of what we had yep. two years ago. Yeah, California's got even bigger swing going on. Really and, dry to really wet. And, and now they're wet. Yeah. Yeah. All these storms are coming across right, right there. Yeah. Yep. Do you ever see a situation where you've got settling and heaving on the same foundation? Most of the time we see both. Most of the time. There are some areas, especially like if you're in the Gilbert area where you have that problem where the, where the deeper soils are drying out and maybe the surface soils are being wetted because of accumulation. And so quite often we see both and we have to address both on the same house. And how long does the actual job take? I mean, it could take, depending on your workload and the soils tests and the engineers, it could be a couple of weeks into, uh, or even months from the point of contact to being ready to install. But on, on site, how long do these repairs take? On site, uh, like a moisture level can be installed in a half a day or a day. Uh, Appearings, uh, depending on how many you have, you know, that might be three or four days. Uh, the, the, the actual work is not that long, but we are really, really busy, and the whole process could take several months by the time we, from when they first call us to when we can actually get dirt uh, moving. Uh, Wade has emailed in and says, what type of paint should I use to seal the stem wall from moisture? So I'm not a big fan of painting stem walls, uh, and the reason is, is because you are sealing the place where uh, uh, the water needs to get out. Uh, 
And you can try to seal all the way down to your footing. That, that's helpful. But above the ground where it exits, if you seal that up, you're trapping moisture and you can actually cause more problems. So I, I, if I was going to do it, I would use uh, a very breathable paint, you know, uh, like, a, uh, like, a, like a, a stain or a dye, uh, something that's breathable. Cer- certainly not one of these real thick elastomeric ones. I wouldn't do that. And stay away from any type of water sealing. You're, if you're tr- doing that, you're saying down to the footing, you're talking about below soil level. Right, below soil. That's, you know, that's helpful to, to seal that up because that's where the moisture comes in. But remember, you're probably never going to get it all because you still have moisture coming in from below the footing and from inside the house. You, unless you can get to all those areas, you're not going to ever seal it all up. So you need a place for it to escape. Now, is there anything that can be done pre-construction to help eliminate these? Uh, to eliminate uh, what foundation specific? problems? Uh, a good soil preparation, good drainage on the house. You know, I, I always enc- encourage builders to have gutters, and of course, with gutters, you need to hard pipe it twenty feet away. Otherwise, you're just dumping it right there at the base. <laughs> you know, it actually makes it worse, right? But good drainage, it, uh, it's concentrating the problem. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, good, good, good earthwork by the builder uh, always helps. Uh, making sure that uh, you know the right moisture content is in the soil before they build, and that's difficult because you pair, prepare all the pads, and then you know six months later you're still building on them, and they've been sitting open to the dry air for six months or maybe a year or two or whatever, how long ever it takes them to build out the whole track. Well, now you've you've got a problem on your hands. And they do require certification or recertification of the pads, but uh, I'm not sure how much that really helps, to be honest with you. Well, and something that came in, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, is a lot of the larger builders in the areas where they were suspicious they'd have, you know, those those subdivisions folks have to have a complete soil engineering analysis on it. They determine the bearing capacity of the soil and tell the builder what they have to do to make sure they can maintain a, a standard 2,000 PSI on a, on a standard footing. A lot of the guys, a lot of the bigger guys, went to post-tension. Right, yeah. Did that solve a lot? Um, not a big fan of post-tension. Yeah. Uh, it makes the slab nice and stiff. By pulling on those cables at 28,000 pounds each, uh, but uh, the, the big the big weakness to the to the post tension system as it is currently in Arizona is it has no edge protection. It basically it barely goes below the surface, <laughs> and water can penetrate underneath that super super easily. So just with a landscaping change, right, right, right. Well, the way they pour it, the way they pour those systems is you you pull up on site and you set your forms, and then you put your uh, cables and pour your concrete. And then later on, they come and put six inches of landscape fill in. Well, that, right, right. that landscape fill, when it rains, the water penetrates that in like nothing and goes right underneath the, the, the foundation. I, I've even seen utility trenches where the water, you right. know, water line goes in under the slab, not properly backfilled or compacted. And you, you, you can actually excavate down and just see a perfect map of where the ditch was. <laughs> right. Well, that's a really good point, Rosie, because that's where a lot of the water does come in. Is the is the nobody wants to backfill a trench super hard and break the pipes. Or, right, you know, right. Right. So those don't get backfilled really aggressively, and that's where a lot of the water comes in. I've seen it. I've seen it plenty of times. 
Now, we've been talking about heaving and settling. Now, y'all have a number of additional services as well. Uh, radon detection? Correct, yes. Uh, radon uh, kills 21,000 people every year. I mean, nobody the, speaks about in, that. In the United States? In the United States only. That's in the United States. Can you imagine what would happen if a terrorist came over and killed 21,000 people? Everybody would be up in arms. But How much of that is due to industrial situations? Is it, or, or is that number representative of residential contaminated uh, radon deaths? I, I think it, it, it happens everywhere. Schools. Nobody's, nobody's looking at our schools to see if they have radon in them, which is like super important. Wow. Who wants to have their kids be exposed to... Uh, you know, something that would cause lung cancer. People all the time tell me all about stories about they have friends and relatives that died from lung cancer that never smoked, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's from radon. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have a good friend from Pinnacle Peak, a doctor who died with lung cancer, never smoked in his life. But his master bedroom was a basement. Right. And it, just by this deduction and that deduction, it was kind of determined that that basement didn't have the enough ventilation. Well, who who knew to ventilate it in the seventies? Right, you right. Know? Well, they they didn't even know radon existed right. until the eighties when they uh, a guy went in came came to work at a nuclear plant and set off all the alarms going in. And they're like, wait, what'd you do over the weekend? And they went to his house <laughs> and they discovered radon. And it's fairly easy to test for. Yeah, it's super easy to test for. I mean. You can get free kits from the AZRRA, Rich Baker. Uh, you can go to Home Depot and buy them for $15. Uh, we go and professionally set them and do a test. Uh, uh, it's not expensive. It's super easy to do. And uh, the EPA recommends that every home, every home, and, and, and I would argue every office and school as well should be tested for it. And radon is a gas. Right. That's a result of... Right. It's, it's, it's a radioactive gas uh, that comes from the decay of uranium deep in the earth. And so uranium goes through lots of steps to get to lead, and one of those along the way is radon. And radon itself doesn't cause any problems. It's the daughter products of radon. Uh, and as they, as they decay, they shoot off what they call alpha particles, which are two neutrons and two protons. And those shoot off like bullets. And if those are in your lungs, when those things shoot off, they damage the, uh, the DNA of your lungs and cause lung cancer. And we'll talk about the remediation. It's just not a, a complicated thing, but we can do a lot of things at Rosie on the House, but we can't. Stop the clock. Thank you for tuning in to Rosie on the House. We're here this morning with a good friend, Mr. Bob Brown founder and owner of Arizona Foundation Solution. We're talking about foundation repair. We're talking about radon elimination. We're talking, I mean, I just, you, you, Bob, you have a very infatuating business. That's for sure. If you've got any of these issues that you'd like to talk to somebody about, Bob's phone number is 602-702-5390, and he does operate statewide. Um, a website to remember, foundationrepairwithrosie.com. Okay, there well, you go. Another way you can find Bob. And looking through all the different services that are listed there, we haven't got to them all. Um, the one that I want to talk about that I thought was pretty interesting 
looking at it. Um, it's not sitting here in the service list. The poly leveling? Po- poly level. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a typical uh, mud jacking technique. Uh, in years in the past, we did mud jacking and a lot of other people did. But uh, in fact, uh, uh, you can do it cheaper and easier by uh, drilling a very small hole and injecting an expandable foam underneath and raising the slabs that way. That's better than a mud jack option? Yeah, it's, it's better a number of ways. It's not so uh, obtrusive. You don't have to core a big hole and ruin a bunch of tile. Matter of fact, you could probably put it in the corners of grout tiles and, and not even see it. It's, it's only like three-eighths in diameter. Wow. So Where it used to core, what, a three-inch core yeah, at least? <laughs> right, exactly. So you're pretty well wiping out any tile work, you know, with that method. So this is a, a, it's, it's, it's a little easier, a little faster, a little less messy. And, um, and, 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 and we've switched over to it a number of years ago, and, and I think it, it provides a better service. We, we thought about it for a long time and, and made the switch, and I think it was the right move. Anyone that follows our social media knows that we've been on site filming with y'all all week long right. on a different a series of different videos. The most interesting one was the composite re- alternative to rebar that y'all have right. been working on. <laughs> right. So you have to talk about the problem first before you talk about the solution, right? So when concrete is first poured, it has a very uh, high pH, very alkaline. And over time, because of uh, acid rain, carbonic acid, uh, it gets a lower pH. And in all the millions of pores of the concrete where, where water is, it now can conduct a tiny microelectrical current that promotes rusting of the rebar in that stem wall. And that current can, is a little circular current that will continue forever as long as there's steel in there. And uh, when, when steel rusts, iron oxide is weaker than steel, obviously, but it's bigger, it's larger. And as it, as it deposits more iron oxide, it puts pressure on the concrete and cracks it. We have whole neighborhoods. I mean, this is the biggest problem, I think, in Arizona, uh, foundation-wise. You have whole neighborhoods where you go around and you see this horizontal crack in the stem wall, and it's all from this rebar that's rusting. You, know, you know, Bob, you must be like the fire, smoke, and water restoration contractors. People really hate to have to call you. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the dentists of the home service yeah. business. <laughs> but they see a crack in the slab, in the wall. They see some spalling stem wall concrete from the rust accumulated on the rebar. And they say, I got to call Bob. That's right. <laughs> and I've, I've dealt with this particular problem for a lot of years. And we developed a, a patent pending solution. So... First of all, we replace all the metallic components with composites. So we use a composite rebar to replace the metal rebar. In an existing stem wall? Yes. We chip out the old rebar, take it out, and get all the iron oxide out of there, and we put a composite rebar in its place. And then uh, we, if we have to have jacks, if we're removing so much that the house can't be supported, we've developed a screw jack that's fiberglass that we... Uh, put in there. And then the biggest problem that nobody thinks about is the tie-down straps. 
you have those galvanic tie-down straps. I mean, within a year or two, they're gone. They're, they're, there's nothing left. Because they, 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 the way they install them, they, they screw them to the studs on the outside of the house, and then they angle them in. Well, they have zero coverage. I mean, that, by definition, doesn't even meet code. But uh, that's the way they do it. And so because it has zero coverage, it, it's gone. We've developed a whole composite system to replace that from underside of the sl- uh, of the foundation. That's Stem Bob. wall repair, crack stitching, heave and settling, radon remediation, concrete leveling, crawl space repair, foundation repair with Rosie. If you've got any of these issues and in, in need of a somebody that'll help engineer and repair it the right way. 